Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 11 of the OI and Offside Hockey Talk podcast with yours truly, Jamie Anstey. And as always, each episode of the OI is brought to you by Sober Athletic Wear. Hop on SoberAthleticWear.com. Check out Troy Commerce's story at the bottom of the page, the founder of Sober Athletic Wear, which helps raise awareness for mental health and addictions people may face in today's world. My guest has played a total of 41 NHL games. Florida Panthers, Los Angeles Kings, and Toronto Maple Leafs. Also check out his website, upmyhockey.com. He's a high-performance mindset coach in the game of hockey. Mr. Jason Podolin. Jason, how's everything in BC? Hey, man. Yeah, well, we're rocking and rolling. We're... uh you know, as far as the hockey world here is concerned, we're uh, we're waiting on Miss Bonnery Henry, who is uh, who is our health minister, who's uh, you know been telling us all what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to do it. So, spring hockey's around the corner. It's a big thing for me, and it's a big thing for my boys. Uh, so, we're looking looking forward to some spring hockey, and we're hoping that at least we can have some type of scrimmages or some type of games, uh, whether it be regional or otherwise. So. Uh, yeah, waiting for that to kick off and, you know, got my fingers crossed and hopeful that we'll be able to to uh, play some games here soon enough. Are you training kids? Like, how old are your your kids? Are you on the ice? Like, how many times are you on the ice right now? Or are they even allowed? Because right here in Halifax, you're allowed 25 people on the ice. Like, what's the situation right now in, in BC for your kids? And uh, That's where we're at too. Okay. Uh, we're at a 25, uh, a cap of 25. Uh, our teams were larger this year when it comes to minor hockey. So Vernon minor hockey, where we're at, they decided to uh, have 20 players on a team. If you were a rep team, I think, cause there was so much uncertainty at the start of the year and they knew that ice was going to be compromised. Uh, ice times were going to be compromised uh, because of the, the switching of, people who are abuser groups, you know, they need a half an hour between ice cleans now. So, uh, you know, you take change that from 15 minutes and all of a sudden you lose a lot of uh, ice slots. Right. So they were, they were a little bit worried about capacity. Uh, so we were dealing with 20, but that was fine. Uh, we got through it, uh, been doing, we haven't got shut down here once in BC, as far as like from a kid's perspective is concerned, there was no weeks that we weren't allowed on the ice. So definitely thankful for that. Um, and yeah, we, we did have games taken away there at the end of November and, uh, it hasn't, it hasn't, nothing's changed since then. So it's been a lot of practicing, but, uh, but you know, the, the kids that I'm involved with right now, my oldest son is an 09, uh, I have a 2010 and I have a 2012 son. Uh, so those are the ones that I'm involved with. And I'm usually involved with that age group, uh, pretty closely. And, you know, to be honest with you, anyone can say what they want, but if you are actually just worried about the development of your hockey player um, and, you know, them getting better, uh, taking the games out of the equation is, is, is not necessarily a bad thing. So, uh, 
So, you know, these kids have improved a ton. We were still able to do some small area stuff and some, you know, two on two, three on three, very game like situations. So they can still understand the nuances of the game, um, you know, grow their grow their hockey IQ that way. And they get a lot more tuck punches or uh, puck touches and, you know, a lot more time um, on the ice itself. So for, for us, it hasn't been that bad. I mean, my heart goes out to the junior players, though, and the midget age guys who are, you know, just, uh, you know, they're really losing opportunity, right? I mean, they've worked a they've worked a long time in this game to to have this opportunity, whether it's to be a scholarship or to get drafted or uh, what have you. And everyone has different dreams, but with no one able to watch you do what you do, um, it's tough. It's tough to get picked up. So I'm really hoping those kids get a chance to play. WHL has just been um, let back in by BC, so that's great. So those guys are back at it. We're hoping that the BCJHL gets uh, gets let back in here shortly thereafter and let those guys get back going again too. And um, hopefully we can get back a little bit to normalcy here in the hockey world. I'm glad you said that games don't really don't really matter. I guess this maybe the right thing to say for everyone in Nova Scotia. I've got followers. We've got followers in Ontario, Nova Scotia, Newfoundland. Newfoundland right now is is, is shut down. I'm not sure if you know what's happening in other provinces, but for people that that do tune into offside they have kids just provide some just provide something positive for the people following that have kids that hey like they're upset right now in nova scotia they, they can't play games um i'm part of a junior team here in halifax and we were shut down for the third time last friday um really nice really nice to see that our four overagers were able to play their very last game um because it was uncertainty during last Friday, if they were going to do that, so hey, we won, we got we got a win. Those guys uh, went out with a bang, but just provide something positive for the viewers listening, say in Newfoundland, Nova Scotia, Ontario, where their kids aren't you know getting to play with their with their friends, because a lot of teams, um, their friends are on opposite teams, and right now it's team only, like it's only your team. You got to stay within your bubble. Um, I know the numbers are about twenty five or so, but Players right now are upset. Oh, I can't play with my friend Billy, or I can't play with this person, and that's just that's just the way it is right now. So just provide something positive for the people that are upset right now that games aren't being played. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not going to pretend it's not tough. You know, I, I think it's tough to paint with a broad brush. But one thing that I do without my hockey, with what I do now as a mindset coach, is I really teach the people that I'm working with, coach them on perspective, right? So perspective is a beautiful thing. And if your perspective is that this is awful, right? And if that's the, if that's the meaning you're giving to this whole situation, then everything you see is going to be awful, right? And everything that you're missing is going to be magnified and everything that you can't do is going to be put right in front of you. Um, I try and get my guys to focus on, you know, the perspective that's going to enable them, that's going to empower them, that's going to give them a different set of emotions. And that is like for us, like I said, we we haven't missed a session, right? We haven't missed one ice time. Is it perfect? You know, is it ideal? No. But from a leadership position as coach and as a leadership position as a parent, if I show up with a crappy attitude and if I show up telling them everything that they can't do and apologizing for the fact that they can't play, guess what? They're going to have that same attitude. Oh, we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't, right? I show up. I try and be 110% every day, big smile on my face, try and get these kids better. 
and I hope that they can feed off my energy. And that's the same thing we do in this house, you know, with my own kids. It's it's more about what we can do, no, we can't, and uh, and try and keep the focus on that. And I mean, I'm as frustrated as anyone. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I think, you know, I think the ball's been dropped here a lot of times. I think that the wrong people. Um, are making sacrifices with this thing. You know, that's my own personal views. I think our kids shouldn't be the one that are in the line of fire. Um, you know, and I think the science is now reflecting that too. So should youth sports be playing games? Yes, I think they should be. But that's not me. They're not paying me. They're not paying me money to make these decisions, right? For, so for men- mentally, I think games. Leaders ambassadors, um, we just need to toe the line for a little while, right? And, and, and be a good example and make sure that we're, we're being grateful for the opportunities that we do have. Mentally, would it be better for kids to play games? Not because, you know, they want to play against their friends, but how how important it is, is it for young kids? Because they were used to playing games with, against their friends. Like some kids, I've talked to some parents, and, you know, they don't want to go to the rink because they can't, oh, I'm not playing against my friend today. You know, they're not, they're not looking at the big picture, looking at a development perspective they're looking at it like oh I, my friends aren't going to show up today i don't want to go to the rink and, and you just mentioned like you know playing games is is you know it's great to have games but like look at the look at the aus right now you, you know aus is in the same division as like U saskatchewan ubc and they're out you know grinding they're out practicing i know there's no season they were going to have some exhibition games, but last Friday, um, the Nova Scotia, <clears throat> Nova Scotia government, you know, pulled the plug and said, "Hey, no games." So, but the guys are still practicing. The AUS is a bit different. The, everyone graduating this year is able to come back next year, but they're out practicing. They're out putting the time in on the ice. If the time on the ice is available, take advantage of it. But you see a lot here in Nova Scotia where kids are like, well, I'm not getting to play with my friends today. Can you just, again, can you just kind of shed some light on the fact like it's not a bad thing that there is no games. Like just make sure you're, you're on the ice as much as you can and, and you're involved. I, I watch videos. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm following you on Facebook um, for, at a development level and you're doing it the right way. Like kids need to develop. They need to, be on the ice, and just because you can't play with your friends, that's, you know, it's not the end of the world. And a lot of kids don't want to practice. That's really what it comes down to. They don't want to practice. They just want to go play with their friends. And that's not the true the true meaning of hockey. Like, you've got to learn the fundamentals and just, you know, provi- provide something for all of us that, you know, just hockey games don't really matter. Like, just develop. And become a better person and a better hockey player. And in order to do that, you need to practice. You need to hit the ice and practice and do some drills and stuff like that. But where you're where you're involved with, with your kids and and you're in the hockey community, just you know, just provide some positives on how things are right now. Yeah, like I said, for the age group of kids that I'm working with, and really. I mean, up to Pee Wee here in here in BC, Bantam players are eligible for the Bantam draft. It's a year earlier than everywhere else, so they have a little bit more at stake this year, not being able to play games. I understand that. Um, but two things. I mean, first of all, you are developing more. If if you're if if you are a rep player, an elite player that wants to get better, if you think you want to be a hockey player, to the young kids out there and to the parents out there, this is perfect for you. 
this really is perfect for you. You don't need to play. Playing's fun. There's nothing wrong with playing games, but you can you're gonna get better quicker at that age group practicing. There's there's models in Finland, Sweden, like where that's what they do. I mean, they, they don't play competitive games until they're like 13, 14 years old. That's in the design category. So it's not the end of the world doing that for sure. It's it's if you're if you have a if you have 25 players on the ice and you don't have your friends or somebody there that you like, then there's something wrong with the culture of the team. Mm -hmm. I would suggest, you know what I mean? Of course, it's not going to be perfect. You might not have your best friend there, but you're with a group of people that like a sport that you like. That environment should be fun. I hope, you know, I, ho I hope that's something that's, that's fun. Um, you know, again, I can't speak for the coaches there. I think coaches have a massive influence. I think you know, the, the type of practice, what type of drills they're doing obviously matters. The type of energy that the coach comes with, the type of energy the parents have before the kid gets to the rink, what their approach is like to practice and getting to the rink and taking this as an opportunity and not as a negative. Like it all, that whole ecosystem for that player matters extensively, right? For how that player shows up on the ice. Uh, so yeah, I think being a guardian of what that is, and again, the other thing is, you know what? This is separating a lot of people. And this is one thing I say from people who just want to play hockey and people who want to be hockey players. And there's a big difference there, right? If you want to play hockey, I have no judgment against that at all. There's a, there's millions of people who just want to go out there and play a game, right? They want to go out there and play the game. That's 100% fine with me, but you're never going to be a hockey player doing that, right? So some of these kids right now that don't want to go practice, well, I mean, that's fine, but let's just understand then what, what you're involved in the game for. You know what I mean? If that's what you're involved in the game for, then, you, you know, just realize where you're at, call a spade a spade and, and don't pretend to be something else. You know what I mean? And that's, and that's fair. That's fair. And I think in this environment, I was, I've been trying to encourage players to embrace the idea of being a hockey player and not just somebody that plays hockey. So they're starting to use this, uh, in ways, meaning COVID and the restrictions of what you can't do, they're finding ways to find passion uh, and find different things about the sport that they actually do like, you know, instead of the things that they're normally, um, you know, drawn to. And I think if we can be creative about that and curious about that as hockey players, what about the sport can we like that we can do right now? It's really a life skill, like for anything, you know, uh, let alone just playing hockey. So uh, I think there's a lot to be learned this season. And um, I do think that that the environment and the role models and the people involved with these kids, uh, like their influence matters a ton. So try and do the best you can to, to help with their, with their mental state and their approach to the sport. Moving, moving, moving to junior hockey, you played junior hockey, you played junior A, you played in BC, the BCHL. The situation right now with our yeah, junior, yep. And with the situation with our junior team right now, we've got, you know, five or six young defensemen. We've got a, a promising team coming up to the next couple of years just provide some positives for the guys that are coming out of high school um, that really may not have a chance at junior A, but they're right now at the junior B level. Just, you know, provide some positive for the kids, you know, coming out of high school. we got a, an individual right now, he could still play high school, but he's, he's going to be a phenomenal defenseman come three or four years. But just for our young core with the junior team here in Halifax, just provide some positives for you know the young guys and just um maybe just uh give them a, 
a little bit of boost, I guess, to hey, it's not a it's not a big deal. You're in Junior B. It's Junior B is a great league. Um, I know each I know each guy we have don't, you know, maybe they want to make Junior A someday. But who knows? Like, but right now, just you know, it's it's. You know, junior junior B is not a a bad thing, and there's a lot of guys I talk to. They're stuck in junior B, and you know they want to play junior A, but they're really not good for that level. But, for, but for our team, you know, we've got a young core, so just you know provide something positive for the guys that you know do listen to offside. You know, it's it's not it's it's not the end of the world. You're in junior B. It's it's exciting. Like it's it's still exciting hockey. Right. Well, I mean, my my advice to anyone who aspires to bigger things, which, you know, we all do and we've all been there. Like we're not even if players in the NHL. A lot of those guys aren't really comfortable maybe in the position they are, whether it's a fourth line role or a third line role and they see themselves as somewhere else. So I, I think we're constantly trying to get somewhere or become something. If you're in junior B and you don't want to be in junior B, guess what you got to do? You got to dominate junior B. You know, like that's what you got to do. You got to be the best player you can be at the level you're at and give somebody a reason to tell you that you're not supposed to be there, right? If you keep telling people you're not supposed to be there, but you keep doing the same things that got you to junior B, you're not going to go anywhere, right? So I think a lot of times people focus on where they want to go so much and think about the reasons why, why, I mean, who screwed them or why they're there, or, you know, somebody else is, isn't as good as me and they're there, like, all that's wasted energy, right? Just dominate where you're at. Do the best you can where you're at. Be the best teammate you can be in junior B. Be the best player. Become special at something and get noticed every day. And that's going to get you out of junior B. You know, that, that that's really the only way to do it. Whenever we're trying to mentally be somewhere else, yeah. you know, like we our head isn't yeah. there. We're not, we're not really into that environment. You're not, you're not impressing your coach. You're not impressing your teammates. You're not showing up with the right attitude at the rink. You know, all those things, uh, it's very obvious, right, for those involved. So, um, yeah, I would just dig in at Junior B. And the other thing I say, which is really motivating for some players, I've already used the term uh, playing hockey or be a hockey player. This time is separating people right now because there's lots of kids, even the WHL level, Junior A level, that are getting bored, that are losing motivation, that aren't doing the right things right now. So if you're somebody who's hungry in junior B and you're going to work every day and you're really taking this as a chance to close the gap on those guys ahead of you, there's guys that are taking time off right now and you can close the gap, right? Like you can do that, but it's on you to take accountability and ownership of where you want to get to, right? No one can do that for you. So that's my biggest motivator for like, for the guys that really want something or they say they want something, well then show it right? Show it in your actions. If you show it in your actions every day, you're going to be very, very well served next year going into training camp because there's a lot of guys that aren't doing what they should be doing right now. I know at the B level compared to the C level, the C level is a whole different league. You know, it's, it's a big jump from high school hockey to junior B. You don't see a lot of kids go from high school to junior A because you there's the U18s now it used to be mid AAA now it's called U18 U15 to U16s so there's a big jump from high school to junior B not much of a jump from high school to junior C junior C is the same kind of hockey as high school it's just 
guys that dominate in high school that don't want that compete don't want to be part of that compete level and B they go down and play junior C. I'm not downgrading junior C, but it's a huge jump from high school to junior B. And there's a lot of kids, a few kids that we, like, sorry if I'm repeating myself, but we have a few kids that, you know, can still play high school, but they want to be there. We've got a couple guys that are a bit slow on the back end. But like I've coaches said, you know, they're, 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 they want to be, they want to be there. They, they're motivated to be there. And even though COVID is kind of doing its thing on everybody mentally, you know, it's it show like you show up to practice, you listen to the coach, right? And you do what the coaches say, you'll be fine. You know, we've, we've had guys that, you you'll know, be better than fine, Jamie, like that's yeah. the thing, like, and that's your advantage. Like that's the whole thing. Like yeah. th these players got to flip it on their head, recognize that people are having a hard time with it. Players are having a hard time with it yeah. and just tell yourself, I'm not the one. I'm the one that's going to thrive in this. I'm the one who's going to show up every day with a smile on my face. And I'm going to kick some ass because when you do that, you are taking advantage more than other people are. Like, that's the advantage. Like, that's your advantage right there, right? Like, don't become part of the group. Be be outside the group. Be the outsider. Be the one that's showing up there ready to go. Like, that is the competitive advantage. Like, I, I, I can't be more clear with that. And and um, and when, when players understand that right now, every time maybe they feel a lack of motivation where they're like, you know what? No, everyone else is feeling lack of motivation right now. I'm not that guy, right? I'm not the yeah. one that's doing that. Like that's the difference. And that's the type of grit and, you know, determination and resilience that these players need right now, you know? So um, again, that takes more than a 16 year old kid to figure that out though. A lot of times, right. It takes somebody helping them. It takes somebody guiding them. It takes a coach. It takes a parent. It takes a good support system to help, to help feed that type of mentality. But that, that is the mentality, right. And it's there for you. Every day you wake up, you have a choice. How you want to show no, up? A hundred, hundred percent, Jason. That's why I wanted you on the offside just to provide some positives uh, towards this whole situation. And I hate when guys say, "Oh, it's COVID." I home, you know, COVID. You should not use COVID as an excuse. Like you're hitting the nail on the head on every point in the last couple of minutes that we've we've talked about this. Like if you don't want to put in the work. Then there's that junior C option. You can go down to junior C. If you want to be in junior B, it's the highest level above high school, until unless you want to, unless you're good enough to play A. Now we have A players that have tried that have played A and now are with us in B, and they're they're dominating B because you know they they may have played bottom line minutes in A and you know they grinded it in A, but now they're in B having fun. They're having fun with their their friends and. I see, I see that in a lot of guys. They're having fun. Their friends are there. They went to high school with, and it's. I I can't really describe how C is to be. Like it's it's. I don't imagine you played C or junior B, but um, to make sense out of this. But really, like what you just said, Jason. Like, like if you don't want to show up, right? Don't use COVID as an excuse. If you don't want to show up, then there's other options, right? And you know, yeah, and, that, and Jamie, and that's the mentality too, right? So that's yeah. the mindset side, and and sometimes, sometimes the C to B to A, like these are all these are all talent pools that are differentiated a little bit, yep. 
But a lot of times it's the mentality that's differentiated too, right? So people are in those spaces because they think differently, right? And maybe hockey is just a fun departure that they want to do with their friends at Junior C. I bet there's a lot of guys in that Junior C team that are just there because they like the camaraderie, they like to hang out, they like their buddies. Yep. I have no judgment with that, zero, right? But if you're there and you want to be somewhere else, like COVID COVID of itself, there's going to be a handful of players or a lot of players are going to say, you know what, COVID ruined me. Like, that's my excuse. I couldn't get through that year. It was too tough, you know, and that's when I quit. There's also going to be a handful of players that use COVID as the exact reason why they made it. You know what I'm saying? So it's the same thing, right? It's happening to all of us. It's the same thing. Some guys are going to use it as an excuse and some guys are going to use it as a, as a pedestal and a springboard to jump off. Right. So you decide which one you want it to be. Are you going to be the guys that were, were a victim of it? Or are you going to be the guys that got propelled by it? And, uh, and there's, and there's people on both sides of the spectrum right now. And I just, I just challenge players to make the choice. You know, you decide where you're going to, where you're, where you're going to lie there. Yeah. And, and away from a couple of kids that, you know, played midget triple A, I'll say midget triple I'm just used to saying it. It's U 18s now. Um, away from away from those kids, you know, we majority of our team right now is high school kids, and you know they 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 work balls to the wall. Like they're at it every night we have practice, and it's great to see. Um, you did see a little bit over the last number of years, uh, lack of motivation because uh, they weren't making it to A. You see a bit of excuse this year with COVID. Oh, it's COVID, and just. We're not having a Don Johnson. There's no playoffs. There's no, so. You know, I'm I'm just glad to hear it from you, Jason. Like, just you know, don't make COVID as, don't use COVID as an excuse. Hey, if you want, if you want to be at this level, you've got to work your tail off to keep to stay there. And move moving away from COVID and um, development side of things you did play 41 games in the nhl how was your journey like how what made you want to play hockey you probably get this question a lot where you know how did how did it start out um you being from bc you played like you mentioned you played the whl you played in the in the bc hockey league how did it all how did it all begin like just tell me about the journey um how you got to the nhl well, I mean, everyone's road is different. I mean, that's one of the things with my podcast that I've really, I've really enjoyed is exploring everyone's story, you know, like to the NHL, to the NHL is a thousand gamer, to the NHL is a first rounder. You mean like to the NHL is an undrafted player. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a wild ride, right? And everyone has a different, has a different path. And, and mine, I don't know. I, I would guess I would say mine is probably typical of what a fan would traditionally think for a player to arrive at the NHL. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, I loved hockey from the, from the time that I remember playing anything, right? I mean, hockey was, was what I just fell in love with. I had the biggest passion for, for it. Um, I loved, I love sports in general for sure. Uh, but hockey was just always my thing. Um, uh, and, and I loved it and I was good at it. Right. So, I mean, I think, and what I mean by the traditional method is that like, I, I started, I was the guy that was getting moved up a level and playing with the top team in, you know, in an age group ahead of me, I was getting identified in BC as being, you know, one of the top players there and playing on the BC team at a young age. Uh, you know, I played in the BCJHL as a, as a 15 year old, right. As a, as a, as a kid in grade 10, right. With a lot of, with a lot of guys that were out of school for a long time playing with men. So I was, 
you know, I, I was identified by Spokane and listed at 13 years old. So like in all those scenarios, like from a talent perspective, and I always say, I, I can say this now at 45, like with massive humility and I'm, I'm, I'm just saying the way it was right. Like that was just, that was just my journey. Um, it kind of seemed like that was where I was supposed to go, you know, for lack of a better word. I mean, that was just where I was supposed to end up. You know, the best players end up in the NHL and I was one of the best players and ended up playing world junior and doing all that stuff and got drafted second round and, Anyway, so like that's how I ended up getting there. And it wasn't really necessarily smooth. The trade at Toronto was rough for me. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I'm sure there's a, a long line of scouts and people that were involved with me that, can, you know, think that I probably should have had a bit longer career in, in the NHL uh, than I did. And, and, you know, the reasons for that is neither here nor there. I mean, uh, I can we can discuss them. But I think when the beautiful parts about what happened with me is that what I'm doing now is because of maybe my lack of perceived success that I should have had when I was there, right? Like I'm really, I'm really passionate about, about the things that make it work for players. You know, I'm really passionate about support and mentorship and being a role model. I'm really passionate about mindset, the mental health of an athlete. Uh, I think there's a lot of things that go into it other than how skilled you are, you know? And I think that's usually where the, for the common fan, common maybe is the wrong word there, but the casual fan or the or the common parent with a kid that plays hockey, you think that your kid needs to be of the highest skill level. Of course, that's important, but that is not the that is not the end all be all. You know, like there's a lot of ways to get there, and there's there you need to be a well rounded, well managed, well supported human uh, to be a great athlete too. So, anyways, I I, I rambled there, but no, um, no. Yeah, I mean, I just loved hockey. My, my parents were in a position to really support me with it. I was an only child um, of, you know, upper upper class status. So, like, money wasn't a hard thing, you know, for us. So, always had good gear, was always able to go to the tournaments, was always able to go to where I needed to be. Super grateful for that. And and my parents were able to support that and follow me with it. So, it was, um, you know, hockey was our life, essentially, for me as a preteen and, and a teenager. So, like you just mentioned, you were you were drafted – by the Florida Panthers in the 1994 NHL draft. You go on to play in the AHL with Carolina and then you go you 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 96 97 you play 19 games with the Florida Panthers. At what point during that year, you know, did what point of that year did you think you were getting trade like was it was it during the trade deadline or like was it during the year was the the team just did the did the Florida Panthers beat the or sorry the Colorado beat Florida was it the year before you showed up in Florida that Florida played the year Col- before okay yeah. the year before so I I was uh, I just finished my last year of junior well okay. I had one more year left right but I I could turn pro the next year so okay um, I played World Junior that year uh, Spokane Chiefs was a number ranked team in the CHL which you know I I was a part of that team the leading scorer on that team. We went into the playoffs that year. Um, again, supposed to come out of the WHL. We were a number one ranked team in the CHL. I had, I had my best, my best run as a junior hockey player. I scored, I, I think I scored 15 goals in my last like nine games to, to get into the playoffs. I scored 21 in 18 games in the playoffs. Like I was just a house on fire it was an awesome way to finish, but we lost to Brandon in the league final. So Brandon goes to the Memorial Cup. We, we got to the league final and lost. And then uh, Florida called uh, me and wanted me to come up to, 
to Miami to join them in the playoffs. Okay. The first day I arrived there, I was I was called to the rink to play that night against the Boston Bruins. Um, oh, Ray wow. Shepard was hurt. So I was supposed to play my first NHL game there at, at 19 years old. Well, 20. I just turned 20. Actually, I have an early birthday. So I was oh, wow. 20 years old um, and showed up at the rink ready to go. And then Ray Shepard walks through the door. I guess he had a change of heart or something or didn't think his shoulder was, was that sore. So I ended up not playing that game. And then from not playing that game, essentially just turned into a black ace, which uh, for all the, you know, the, the, the listeners out there, that's uh, that's somebody who travels with the team, um, goes to all the games, uh, practices, but doesn't play essentially. We were kind of in a, we ended up being a little practice squad. So I, I went you know, I was on the ice shaking Mary Lemieux's hand in the, uh, you know, in the Wales Conference final there, right? When they knocked out Lemieux, who was oh, my wow. my idol, right? Had the T-shirt on and the hat and stuff and went to the went to the Stanley Cup final. We got swept in four games there. So that was my first experience in the NHL. The next year uh, was the last cutout of camp. Uh, so it didn't start with the team. Um, stayed there right to the deadline. They decided, uh, I forget who they decided to keep. I think they kept Dave Nemirovsky as the right wing um, out of the gates there. I went down to Carolina as you saw from the stats, you know, really good start to my pro career. I was over a point a game, like on pace for a 40 goal season, uh, which is, you know, it's hard to do in that league as a 20 year old. And then, and then got called up and had my, I don't know what you'd call it. I mean, it was definitely, I mean, it was an, like, it was an opportunity for sure, but like the way that Florida was doing it, you know, they were already, they just got to the Stanley cup final. They, they felt that they were in a position to compete again, um, for it, you know, they were, they were a playoff contender. And so us young guys that were in the mix, were kind of in the mix in a very, very subsidiary role, right? I mean, a fourth line or third line, uh, not too many minutes every night. And, and that was really all was, was expected of us though, too. You know, like we weren't really asked to put up numbers and we were just asked to be energy guys and go out there. So the 19 games was, uh, was awesome. Uh, but it just sort of felt like it was, uh, there was more to come. You know what I mean? Like it was part of the, it was part of the bringing us on process and the maturation process of, of our prospects. So although I wish I was maybe playing more, or I wish I had bigger impact. It was just kind of part of the plan, you know? And then when I got sent down, uh, the message to me was, you know, this has nothing to do with you or your contribution. Uh, it just has to do with your development. We want to bring up somebody else and, you know, like you're going to be a Panther for a long time and just go down there and do what you can do. So, I had just finished playing against Mario Lemieux uh, in Pittsburgh uh, on my birthday of, of all crazy <laughs> things. I uh, had a great game, I thought. was a healthy uh, scratch the next night in Hartford, I think. And then they sent me down the next day or whatever. And that's just hockey, right? That's the way it goes. Yeah. And I got that message. And um, so I was in bed, uh, Jamie, for a, for, for a game in Greensboro, North Carolina, in, in the AHL. And the phone rang and it was, yeah, it was trade deadline day, mm-hmm. which I didn't even know. Like, it's not like it is now, right? I didn't even know it was trade deadline day, nor did I know, like, did I even fathom that I was <laughs> a potential person to be traded? And, uh, and yeah, sure enough, you know what I mean? It was a one for one deal with Kirk Muller, which was like mind blowing to me at the time. Um, the assistant captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, I was getting traded for, got a phone call, uh, from both general managers and I was on a plane two hours later to Toronto, you know, not in the minors anymore. Now in a system and an organization that, you know, I, I didn't have a clue about, to be honest with you, I didn't know anything about them. They didn't really know anything about me. Um, and it was a whole new game for sure. Right. It was a whole new game and it was, a, uh, it was a whole new venture. 
And, uh, and I've said that before, you mean publicly and on podcasts in the past, it was for me, that was the one that I wish I would have handled better from an emotional mental standpoint. Uh, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a physical thing and, and not that I was bad. You I mean, I've actually watched some of the games now. I, I thought I played okay, but I, I needed to be better than, a, I needed to be good. I needed to be like the best version of myself there because, uh, with what happened after with Cliff Fletcher, the guy who traded for me getting fired that summer. Oh, wow. You know, the way the hockey world works, right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I've heard many stories, you know, like yeah. um, we just had a gentleman on and he he had a friend and he was connected to Tom McVie with the Capitals and he brought him on and Tom McVie gets uh, fired or whatever happened. Tom McVie moves on to the Winnipeg Jets and then, you know, it's, it's um, you know, when one guy brings you on and he's no part, he's no longer part of that team, it, you know... I've heard it so many times. It's 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 something that happens. It's it's the nature of the beast. It's a business, and you know, um, guys get traded. I know some. I, I know some players who get traded three or four times in a year. Right? Like look at Galchenyuk right now in the NHL. He's gone through what six teams in the last number of years. So it 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 happens, and it's it's yeah. it's unfortunate to to happen to the the best of people like it just you know you, you think you belong but like look you look down that roster in 96 that florida team like it just you're there and, and um and before i forget i just wanted to ask did you i spoke to a gentleman last week he's actually from amherst he played in, in the nhl and he talked about this individual did you actually play game or did you cross paths with craig martin He's a he's a black hockey player from Amherst, Nova Scotia. Did you ever cross paths with him in uh, Florida? Do you remember that name? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure I did. Yep, yep, yeah, he was tough, 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 tough man. I don't, I don't remember a ton, but I remember okay. him being tough. I remember him being pretty gritty and, uh, you know, no nonsense kind of guy. Um, would say what he meant and meant what he said, um, type of individual. And uh, and yeah, I I think we might have even been. Definitely at training camps together. I think I remember that. And I think we actually played for Greensboro together. I think okay. he was on that team, I think, at uh, at one point. So, yeah, I do remember uh, Marty. So, you, like you just mentioned, you you get traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, I've got to ask, a few people have asked asked today. When you when you first showed up, it was Mike, Mike Murphy was the coach. How was, you know, how, like, this is a Leafs podcast. We, we, while we like to talk about the Leafs, you know, how was it playing with, you know, those guys like Sundin, Gilmore, Clark, uh, Kirk Muller played with that Leafs that year. Todd Warner, good friend of mine. Ty, Ty Domi, just, uh, Dave Ellett. List, the list goes on. Matthew Snyder. It, when you first got traded to tr- Toronto, was there a guy or two that you leaned on or, you know, hung out with to learn some things on how, how I could be able to stay in Toronto. Like how was the atmosphere with those players? And was there a particular guy that you kind of, you know, just stuck around to learn from? Well, first I'll just, uh, Cliff had cleaned house a little bit before, like okay. I think right around that trade deadline. So like Doug Gilmore got traded that year. Kirk Muller, I got traded for, right? So he obviously wasn't okay. in the locker room. Okay. Um, I think Ellett had just been moved out. So the, some of those names were gone. Wendell was there. Matt's okay. was there. Ty okay. Domi was my roommate. Um, 
you know, Cur- uh, Curtis Joseph. Sorry, Jason, who was your who was your roommate? Sorry, Ty Domi. Oh wow, you have to yeah, talk so about Domi that was here shortly. Down the road. Um, so yeah, I mean, Todd Warner was there. So there's definitely like there was still a, a, a bunch of those names that were there, but some of the older guys, you know, Gilmore Elliott, uh, okay. Muller had moved on at that point. Craig Olana was still there. There was um, some other players, but you know, like when I got there. The guy that I probably got along with the best and hung around with the most was Todd Warner. Um, yeah. He was a younger guy. Um, I was single. He was single. Oh, um, wow. He's he's still – you guys are still young. I know you have a family now, but, like, I've seen Todd in person, and, you know, you guys still look like you can play. I I've, <laughs> I, I, I said to Todd one time he was here for – he was actually here for the, the Memorial Cup when he was working with Sportsnet. Um, twenty nine, the twenty twenty uh, Mem Cup. It's unfortunate. Uh, we won't get into this, but it's it's hard to believe that the Mem Cup now won't be uh, handed out for the second straight year because of COVID. But um, yeah, Todd, I uh, I, I walked walked up to Todd and like, man, you can. He we play in charity events together, and man, I was like, man, you can still play. And you're forty five, Jason. You can still uh, you can still play. I've I've played with the guys like uh, McDaniel and. Denny Marouk, who's right. sixty, who's sixty-five right now, and uh, I'm gonna ask you here shortly, you know, if you're still playing. But um, just looking down the list, you know, there's a great, great roster that Toronto had, uh, and and Ty Domi being your roommate, I, I can't imagine the stories like if uh, or or sorry, and the stories with Todd, you both being single. I know uh, some stories might not be able to be shared on on tonight's conversation, but. Um, I I've talked to Marty McSorley before, and he's he um, he got to hang out with Gretzky a lot. So I know how roommates are on the road and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool to to be Ty Domi's roommate and uh, and yeah, it was hanging um, with Todd Warner. So. Yeah, I mean Warnsy was great. I mean I think and for me like that was I don't know I was always wired that way. I was always a real. I don't know how to put it like a team guy. Like I wanted, I wanted the boys to like me. Right. And I wanted to be one of the boys. So, and that was maybe a bit of a problem too coming to Toronto. Cause I really wanted to be a part of that fraternity uh, almost more than trying to establish myself as an NHLer, if that makes any sense. You know, like I, I wasn't really worried about Jason, the NHLer. I was worried about Jason as a Toronto Maple Leaf and being accepted by those guys in that locker room. So, um, I wanted to have a friend there and, and uh, you know, and Todd, Todd was great. Uh, we hung out quite a bit. Matt Sundin was really good. I mean, he was young then too. Like he was a 25 year old captain, oh, wow. I think, you know, like he was a young, he was a young guy and obviously uh, an icon in Toronto. You I mean, not only because of the way he played, but it was impossible not to know where he was at any point in any, anywhere where he was right. Six foot four blonde Swede, you know, 230 pounds. Like he stuck out like a sore thumb. So like, you know, we would, we would go to some places and they would invite me out and, you know, in Toronto. And I mean, this experience, what that was like as being a Toronto Maple Leaf, like we, uh, definitely, definitely had some fun there, but it, you know, it was what I wish, like you asked me about like anyone take, I never asked enough questions. That's one thing I say to my players now, right? Like when you get into an environment where you're young and when you're new, uh, be courageous enough to say that you need help or ask a question or to, you know, to lean on somebody because that was something that I didn't do. And, uh, and nobody really said, Hey, Jason, like, let's do it this way. Or, Hey man, like, I know you're nervous. Like, or I know this is new for you. Like just 
do it this way, you know, like, so there wasn't really much of that. Um, and like I said, I mean, that's ownership on me though, because I wasn't putting myself in a, in a position to be mentored, you know? So, um, and the other thing is too, man, like when you're losing and they were losing and they're out of the playoffs, nobody's worried about mentoring some new guy that comes in there, you know, to be quite honest, really? you know, like everyone's kind of worried about themselves. They're worried about getting through the year. You know, they're worried about what's going on with their contracts and, uh, and it's not really that culture of, you know, how do we get this guy to be awesome? Right. They're all worried about how to figure it out for themselves too, in that environment, you know? So, um, so yeah, the environment matters. You know, you've mentioned Mike Murphy, um, you know, I mean, nothing like Mike Murphy never did anything mean to me or, or was, you know, never got went out to get me, but I mean, it is, I do wish that that scenario was handled a little bit different with me. You know, it was a five minute conversation when I got traded there, you know, I was just turned 21. I was super green, you know, wide eyed, um, and trying to figure it out. And there wasn't much handholding, you know, there wasn't much, you know, let's figure this out together. You know, it was more like, Hey, we'll see if we can swim and we might throw you a rope, but we might not, you know, kind of like that was more like the way it felt. Um, but again, man, that was the way it was. That was the way the hockey world was like, now these guys are getting a lot more support. They're getting a lot more back end support. Uh, they're getting a lot more touchy feely stuff if they need it, you know? Um, and back in those days, they just really didn't. So it wasn't like Mike was, uh, any different than anyone else in that era. It was just, you know, in that environment as a rookie pro hockey player, who never knew anything about Toronto or the Maple Leafs or what that was about. And to be in that environment without feeling like I had anyone on my team, you know, like on my side, uh, I just didn't handle it as well as I wish I could have, you know, and, and I, and I, it would have been awesome to have sort of somebody in that corner with you or feel like it, you know, and maybe they were right. And that's the other thing. Maybe they were, and maybe I just wasn't there to hear it. You know, we're, we're all, we all remember things a little different, you know, when we age and we reflect, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that would be if I don't use the word regret, but like if in that 10 game audition, if I would have cemented myself and had a really, really solid 10 games and it wouldn't have mattered what that Cliff Fletcher got fired. Right. But I had done just well enough to make myself disposable next the, the next year, you know, like there was nobody in the media fighting for me to, to stay. Like, why did you send this guy down? Right. Like, I mean, that wasn't happening because I didn't, I didn't uh, have my audition go well enough. And which was unfortunate because as you see from, from the stats, you know what I mean? Like I kicked ass in St. John's like I did. Um, 60 points, point 68 points. One yeah. year and yeah, never great. got called up. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. like, that would never happen now in this day and age. Right. I mean, there's no way you'd have a team that wasn't in the playoffs or just barely getting by. And you have a 22 year old kid leading the league in goals and not give them any games. I mean, it just wouldn't happen. Right. So for whatever reason, Mike Smith never was a big fan of mine. And yeah, that's just the way it goes. Yeah. Cause you look at Nick Robertson, look, you look at the, you look at the guys now playing with the Toronto Marlies, you know, you had 61 points in 97 and 98 yet. 68 points he ended up you played in the 11 games in the playoffs um with the baby leafs in 96 97 after playing 10 games with the toronto maple leafs how did <laughs> how did you go from i'm going to ask you about greg bird dog smith because i've heard some great stories about that guy he's uh unfortunately he passed away but how did you end up in 
Well, I know you just explained how you ended up in St. John's, but how did you end up in the Long Beach Ice Dogs in the in the intern? But back then it was called the IHL. It doesn't it no long it no longer exists. But how did you go from St. John Maple Leafs to the uh, the Long Beach Ice Dogs? Well, I mean the you mean to put a I guess to tie a bow on that first season. I mean if we're gonna if we're gonna go down that journey, I mean like that was that was so we finished the season in the NHL. There was a few of us that just came on at the end. Like Mike Johnson was there, myself. Um, geez, I can't remember some of the other guys. But like, you know, Johnny did marginally better, I would say, like than me in that in that audition. And they decided that he wouldn't go down, but I would, right? So I mean, that's the difference, right? So now I'm asked to go down to the AHL. Johnny's kind of established himself well enough to to stay a Maple Leaf and not have to make that journey. So now I go down there to play on my fourth team in one season at 20 years, you know, 20, 21 years old, right? Like, like that's a lot. That's a lot mentally. That's, I mean, that's brand new set of teammates again, right? Like four different sets of teammates, four different head coaches, four, four different complete environments, right? Like it was, it was a lot. You mean, so to go down there and then now to try and refocus and re, I mean, find out where your role is on that team and how that even works. And, you know, like that wasn't, that wasn't amazing either. Right. I think by that, by that point of the season, I was just kind of done, you know, I was like, let me go home and let's start again. Right. Like I was just, I was just sort of at the end of the rope. Wow. Um, so, but that was still great. I, mean, I got to play with Mark Hunter there. You I mean, for Mark Hunter, Brian Wiseman was on that team. I, John Craighead was there. I met bird dog. Um, you know, there's, there was some great guys there and got to know Newfoundland and loved Newfoundland and loved the people there. So, I mean, like it was, it was a, it was a, you know, an interesting life experience as far as from a hockey experience. I, I wish I, I wish I would have rather just gone home at that point, to be honest, you know, um, it was, it was a long year that year for me with all the trades and all the moving around. But, um, to answer the second part of your question, Long Beach, that was, um, well, geez, that's actually a funny story, which I'll tell you. So I was, that was the year I was leading this. So I was leading the AHL in goals at the time. So you had 42 goals. I had 42 goals at the time of the trade. So I was on pace for 50, um, was, uh, was number one guy in the A. I think I was still only like, what was I, 22 or 23? Like I wasn't old by any stretch of the imagination. And, uh, and yeah, and things just weren't working out, right? Like I, I got called up, I think, three games that year. Uh, the first game was in New York uh, against the Rangers, Madison Square Garden. Uh, Pat Quinn, Quinn was the coach. And uh, yep. I sat on the bench all game till the third period. I got one, one shift. Like that was my that was my first like game as a call-up. And then the second two games, I think I had like three minutes and four minutes of ice, and then they sent me back down. So, wow. yeah, I mean, it's just like it was one of those things where it's like, you got this again now from a different perspective, right? Looking back on it, you got this kid who's lighting it up in the AHL, right? You're calling him up to sit him on the bench, you know, like, and then to say, I mean, I don't even remember what the message was, right? Like whether, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they said, Oh, you didn't, you didn't produce. So we're going to send you back down. That was like the famous one all the time. Right. Of put a kid, uh, put a kid of three shifts and say, you didn't produce and send them down. <laughs> but anyways, I digress. So, I mean, that, so that was the scenario though. And I think that it finally got to a point where my value was, I guess, high enough again, you know, in the eyes of the hockey world. And Mike Smith knew that I wasn't going to be a guy for them. So they traded me at the deadline again. So I was in St. John's. I got traded at the deadline for Yannick Perot. So Yannick Perot came. So I got traded for another NHLer again, right? It's so an NHLer, yeah. a full-time NHLer in, in LA for the Kings comes over. One of the best center uh, face-off guys in the league 
comes in, goes straight to Toronto, does a great job for them, helps them in the playoffs. And then I'm going back. I'm told that they're going to start me in Long Beach, right? Which I knew I was going to go there. I didn't know why I was necessarily going there. I mean, I didn't really question it though because I was in the minors anyways, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to Long Beach. But where the story was wrong was that the my my uh, general manager said that they didn't play until like for like three games or something or three days or something like that, right? So I'm going I'm going to Long Beach. They play on Wednesday, let's say it was, and the and it was Sunday, right? <laughs> so guess what the boys want to do in St. John's that night when I'm getting traded? Okay. They want they wanted me to go run with them, right? So like everyone's taking me out. I got to go visit every bar I've ever been to in St. John's, right? Like oh, say man. goodbye to everybody and and everything else. So. I'm on a flight at like 7 a.m. the next day. I don't even think I sleep, to be perfectly honest. Like, you I can't think, once you once you've encountered George Street, you it's an all night thing. And yeah, yeah. And, and I, you're I, actually I, I, lucky I because, and you're actually lucky because Terry Ryan's a good friend of mine. I was hoping like you were able to play with Terry or hang out with Terry, but Terry came to St. John's a year later. He was a 99-2000. I can't imagine you and Terry like if you were still single at the time. In ninety eight, ninety nine, I hang out with Terry Ryan, one of the, like the biggest names in Newfoundland right now. Besides, like you know, Dan Cleary and right. uh, Michael Ryder and those guys. But I, uh, I was hoping I was going through Hockey DB. I'm like, I hope this guy played with Terry. I wanted to get a Terry Ryan story, but um, unfortunately, uh, you didn't play with Terry. But that would have been a riot if you and Terry had been out on George Street together. Yeah, but. would have been. Tr is a great guy. Oh he's yeah, he's a he's a he's a beauty for sure. Summers now, and I mean, I do, I definitely want to take. It'll be a different experience going this time because I want to take my family for sure. Like I want my boys to experience it out there, and yep. I want my wife to experience George Street. So if we ever go back, it'll be it'll be me and the family. And and Terry's Terry's been awesome and, and has invited me a few times, and I'm sure we'll end up doing it. But yeah, we never we never played in the same team, uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've been on his podcast. He's been on mine. Um, so, you know, we stay friendly. I'm a big supporter of his and what he has going on. You know, I think, uh, I think Noof's one of the, one of the good guys, you know, and, uh, and I like to support him when I can. So, um, but yeah, anyway, so back to the story. So I, I'm out, I'm out till like, I mean, I don't even think I go to bed. I, I get on the, I get on the plane and like, again, like for reference sake, you, you can't fly any farther in North America right? In one day, like from St. John's, Newfoundland to Long Beach, California, right? Like this is not a quick flight. So I'm no. traveling. You'd have to go to Halifax I, I, too, right? Halifax. Halifax yeah, oh, I mean, I think there's two or three connections. You yeah. know, I'm eating plain food all day. I'm hungover. Oh, I can barely <laughs> sleep, you know. You eat some grease. <laughs> and, um, and I show up at the rink because of the time change, right? So it's a four and a half hour time change. So I get to the rink in the, in the afternoon after leaving at seven, I think it was like a 12 hour day for me, like in airports and stuff. Right. But with the time change, I show up at like three, I walk into the dressing room and my Jersey's in the stall. Like they're playing a game that night. And I'm like, what? Oh, we wow. Play tonight. And, uh, and so the coach uh, Van Boxmere comes out, shakes my hand. He's like, how you doing, Jace? You ready to go? I mean, like, <laughs> what do you say? Right. And I'm like, well, I said, yep. You know, in my head, I'm like, I can't believe I'm going to play a professional hockey game like tonight. This is ridiculous. Um, well, you had eight points. Funny, honestly, you had eight points. You had eight points in eight games. You must have got a couple apples at least in the first. Yeah, game. I mean, I that first, and they had me on the point on the power play. Oh, like the brass geez, came bro. in from LA. Like I, I hadn't played the point on the power play. Like since maybe probably, you know, oh, like man. Um, so yeah, with like an hour sleep, I went back to the hotel, try to try to get some sleep, and you know, find a 
find something to eat. And so, I mean, I was just playing on fumes that night, but that was, that was the welcome to, uh, to long mm -hmm. beach. And the funny thing there with that story is not only was that kind of funny, um, you know, I mean, funny in a not really funny way, but, um, I had no idea, right? Like I, I got to the rink through the side door, right? And I'd never been in that rink before because I'd never played in it, right? I played in a different league. So trying to find out even where the dressing room was, there was no one there to greet me, right? It's the IHL and no one knows when I'm arriving <laughs> and you know, like whatever. So like I end up finding the Long Beach room, you know, see that my jersey, find out that I'm number 11 uh, for whatever reason. I've never been number 11 forever. And anyways, go back to the hotel. I go to bed. I come back to the rink. I, I come in through a different door. So now I'm walking through, I think, I think I'm in the right room and I'm shaking people's hands. Right. I'm like, Hey, Jason Padolan. Right. Cause I don't know anybody on my team oh, either wow. or on the other team. Right. Cause I've never been in this league. So I don't know anybody. So I'm saying Jason Padolan this, Hey, how's it going? Jason Padolan walking into the dressing room. And then finally I get stopped after like the fifth guy. And they're like, Hey man, I think you're on the other team. <laughs> oh, wow. Cause you did play, you did play three games in, in with Cincinnati in the high too, but I was, yeah, that was, that was when I was still like uh, 18 year old junior. So uh, I played, those are my first pro games uh, in the playoffs there. I went up as a, as a 19 year old and played some, but, uh, but yeah, so that was a funny story, man. Like introducing yourself <laughs> to the opposing team, you know, I even know what, what team you're on. Like that just gives you an idea of like how crazy it is. And that happens and in yeah. beer league all the time with me. I'm because now with COVID they're you know, you, you don't know where you're going. You're following these little arrows to the, to the room and, um, you're not even with your friends because it's five or six rooms now. It's not like before you'd all go in the same room and you can hang out. You see that now in beer league hockey where it's like, you know, six different rooms and I'm in the room with four guys I don't even know because of all the spread out. But yeah. I know that's a little different story, but it just, it's, uh, <laughs> before I forget though, Jay, the, you, you did play four games with the Maple Leafs. You did go back, well, you did play with the Leafs that year. Um, just, just talk about Pat Quinn. Uh, I know it was four short games, but, um, just, just talk about Pat Quinn a little bit. We, we did lose him there, there a little while ago, but, uh, just talk about Pat Quinn. And do you have a, um, do you have a Pat Quinn story to, uh, to share? Well, I mean, nothing personal with Pat Quinn, uh, as far as like me and him personally. Uh, I remember him definitely from training camp, right? Because he was running camp, so I was I was exposed to to Pat, you know, during his time there. Um, and I also came in early that year um, to train, so I, I did I did meet him and I had a chance to talk with him. And then obviously I played with for him too. You know, um, I told you the one story where he kept me on the bench all game. Uh, I saw him before he passed actually up here at Predator Ridge where I'm at now and had a chance to shake his hand and mm -hmm. um, asked him if he remembered me and he did. And, you know, we, we, we shot the breeze for five, 10 minutes. He was just a, you know, a, a gentleman, right? I mean, he was a gentleman of the game. One thing, one thing I will say about Pat Quinn, I and mean, I played for, I played for a lot of, you know, coaches that some are still playing now and coaching now, I should say. And, and some, some, some big heavy hitters that uh, all demanded some respect, but, nobody quieted a room like pat quinn you know like pat quinn you wouldn't even have to be looking at the door and you would just feel that something just happened because the room would go quiet with his presence everyone would stop what they were doing and look at pat um all he'd have to do is walk in you know and then he had that voice too and he had that physical presence once you saw him so there was there was something about pat that commanded respect and uh and I know a lot of guys that were privileged enough to play with him for uh, for a while, and uh, you know, and he earned the respect too because he 
he was pretty tough and blustery on the outside, but he was real, a real people person. He, he, he really treated, treated us like, uh, like his sons, you know, each in an individual way. And, and he really had a soft spot for everybody. He wanted the best for everyone. So, um, you know, his, his reputation as well is well-deserved. One, one night we were in Montreal and we we're down walking along a street or whatever. And <clears throat> it was the night before Toronto Maple Leafs Montreal game. And there was a couple of guys and, it's kind of hard to see, like it was dark. Didn't really. It was like, well, they were all dressed nicely, so you figured, oh, they might be NHLers. Right? Anyways, there was a street light, and it, the light shined on Pat Quinn. And I've seen Leaf games Montreal um, a couple times, and in Montreal, you know the coaches. I don't. I don't know if you remember at the Bell Center, Jason, but the coaches got to walk across the ice. Like you know, that there's no like tunnel that they can go into, and he he was walking across the ice during the Montreal Toronto game, and I'm just like, man, this guy is huge. And th- Dad looked at me, and he's like, geez, it, 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 when you look at when you look at the guy on TV, he doesn't look that big, but when you see him in person, same with same with watching the Dano Chara, he looks small on the TV, but when you see him out on the ice, he's wow, he's huge. Yeah. And and the time I met him, I'm just like. The, the the night before I did get to meet him I walked over and I was like what a like he's in the same circle as like John Bellavo and there's not many people left that are true gentlemen like they're they're nice people but there's only a few that are left like Pat Quinn John Bellavo um there's there's a few Leaf alumni still around like Johnny we've lost Johnny Bauer we've lost George Armstrong um is there any uh, and it, sorry, is there any Leaf alumni that you got to meet, like say, like Johnny Bauer or George Armstrong? Like I know how big the, I know you played with Wendell Clark and Gilmore, two of the biggest names that I've ever got to see um, since the '90s. But is there alum, any alumni that you cross paths with that you know, like, like, what an honor to meet you? Um, well, I mean, I had the privilege of playing at the. Uh... In, in three alumni events out here on the West Coast last year. Uh, that was just pre-COVID. So there was, you know, Rick Vive was playing there, Dan Dau, uh, Gary Lehman, um, Mike Krushelniski, Nick Antropoff. Um, I think he was the he was the youngest guy there. I was the second youngest. Um, Al Iafredi was there. So, you know, like all all legends in their own right you I mean i guess rick would probably be the biggest name there as the only leaf still to, to score 50 goals you know and, and to be a captain to do it three times so having the ability to meet him and you know um i'm i would call myself friends with with nick now nick antropoff he was a guest on my podcast and um brad may was there too got a chance to meet him you, had, you just had him on your show actually yeah yeah he's my most recent guest so yeah it was just it's just really great to be able to meet those guys and i wish i was closer to toronto for that reason because they really do a great job with their alumni and with their alumni program um there's an alumni box that's dedicated to the team and you get to go out there and watch some games uh they include you in a lot of things and they really keep you a part of the community um so it's just nice to be a part of that club i mean i'll 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 forever be grateful to be able to that i've worn a leaf jersey and i can call myself a maple leaf and be a part of that 
that history and that organization and uh you know and all those great names that you mentioned um already you know it's uh it is a special group um it's real special to be able to play in the nhl for one and and uh it's even more special to be able to say that you played for uh for one of the franchises like the leafs and you know i'm, I'm proud to be able to say that i did that yeah and the the jackson events uh, andrew jackson and bob clark who are the the two main the two main guys behind that that um behind Jackson events are you you're not part of Jackson events but you do they how does that work like do you have to be I was always wondering like um uh, I've talked to Dave McElwain and they just kind of call him like how do you get contacted for that like do you have to be part of the Jackson events or they just call you like because you're a leaf like um, how does that really work um that's a great question I don't even know what the Jackson events is so I mean okay. I, I, yeah. I wouldn't okay. be one to speak on that okay. I know I know that you need to be a part of the Leafs alumni, you know, okay. like, which is like, they don't necessarily find you, you find them, um, which I found out. I mean, obviously they know that you played oh, in the wow. team, but they're not going to go email everybody to see if you want to, you know, participate and put your name in. Right. So um, once I found out that I could do that, I did. And then, yeah, I mean, if things come available um, for me out here on the West coast, there's not that much stuff with the Leafs, right? I mean, cause there's so much stuff that's local to Toronto, right. That keeps those guys busy. So the, the alumni don't have to travel too much, but um, if somebody does call, you know, and I think it was whoever, whoever asked the Leafs uh, to bring a team out to the West coast, there's generally some big names that they want to have, right? That's the whole idea. They want to have a Clark or they want to have a Rick. Well, they all want Wendell Clark. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's, you know what I mean? Like that, that's who these that's people the want to see. And then they, and then they have to create a team. So, you know, they were able to ask me, you know, cause I was close um, and I was able to join. So, I mean, I was really grateful to, to, to come out. I'm sure there's not many uh, sponsors that are going to say, Hey, we have to have Jason put in the lineup or else we're not running this thing. You know what I mean? So it's not, um, for a lot of guys, it's just like that. You're riding the coattails of, of the history and of the tradition. You know, you're, you're, you're getting a job or you're getting an event appearance because, uh, because Wendell Clark's going to be there or Dougie Gilmore or somebody. Right. But, um, we all have a ton of fun while we're there and, you know, we're all equal when we're there. It's all a great time. And, um, you know, I, I really look back fondly on that, uh, on that trip and I'd love to do another one again. A lot of, met a lot of great guys and had a lot of fun. I'm part of the uh, here in Halifax, the Heart and Stroke, and then there's Hockey Helps the Homeless, and the Easter Seals is big in Ontario. And I've always asked the people that there, there's a committee and there's sponsors, uh, and they're always after Wendell Clark. They're always after Doug Gilmore. And it was funny, uh, I was in Moncton one time during a charity event, and I was sitting down with Ray Borg, Rick Middleton, Terry O'Reilly, and we're just sitting there, and nobody's bothering us, Billy Smith, and um, there was another Islander, um, I want to say Trache, but it doesn't matter. And there was must have been 300 people in the lineup to, to, to get Doug Gilmore's autograph. And I, I mentioned to the lady afterwards, I'm like, you know, do they ever try to get, like, I mentioned your name because I know, like, I'm a Leafs fan. I, I know every Leaf that ever played. Yeah. And they and they get Nick Antropoff. And I was like, okay. So then they started getting Nick Antropoff. And, the closest heart and stroke event to you would be Saskatoon, which hopefully gets back and running very soon. But I've always, I've always mentioned it, and this is kind of why I wanted to start this podcast because I've seen you on Facebook Live. We'll get into your podcast here in a little bit, but I'm targeting players that have. You know, a lot of people ask, "Why don't you get this guy?" Well, he played a thousand games. Of course, people want to listen to this guy. 
right? I'm not I'm not pumping your tires here, Jason, just because I'm speaking to you right now on on tonight. Yeah. But that you know these people that you know you played 41 games, you know. Gilbert Dion played, yeah, he got a Stanley Cup. He only played, what, 250-odd games, but he's got a Stanley Cup. Gary Lehman, right? He played with the Canadians. A lot of the time I see him play, he wears a Leafs jersey, right? Majority of the majority of the games you played in the National Hockey League were with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So they're going to put two and two together, and they're going to say, okay, but Allen's going to wear a Leafs jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've mentioned it for so many years. You know, just you know, I've said, hey, bring on Terry Ryan. It's unfortunate because these players like that, you know, are maybe big in their communities in Vancouver, right? I don't. I don't know how people look at you in Vernon, BC, or if, or if you were to walk down uh, Hastings Street in Vancouver, if people would recognize you or not. But like I'm, I'm always telling Hart and Stroke, like get these guys, like get Padal and get you know Gary Volk, Gary Volk you just had on your show. Like I've met him a few times. Like there's a lot of Leaf alumni that get forgotten because you know they only played a couple games or they played they didn't they don't have a Stanley Cup. You know, just because you don't have a Stanley Cup doesn't mean you need to be looked over. Like, you need to be How, how many Leafs have a Stanley Cup? <laughs> no, not, no, they don't. And most of them, well, I don't know. You know, they won it in 1967. I don't know who's... I know we just lost George Armstrong, Johnny Bauer. I don't know who's left that, that's still alive that won it in 1967. Right. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. None, none of the Leafs have a Stanley Cup right now. Yeah. But we're Wendell Clark. No, and no problem at all. And that's I. I. One of the reasons I like to get players like yourself on is because all these players are forgotten. Like you only played forty-one NHL games, but what I from what I've seen in the last number of episodes on Up My Hockey, you're you're getting these guys like the Nolan Pratt. He's assistant coach of Colorado. You're you're developing players, right? There's there's. Guys that are coaching junior teams, coaching in the American League, coaching in the East Coast, coaching in uh, university hockey that only played eight or nine games. And, well, this guy only played ten games. Why should I listen to this guy? If you're providing a message that are um, hitting players in the right spot, right, then they'll be, oh, wow, like this, this, is, this is good information. I'm being educated here. Because you played what forty-one, like not to keep repeating myself, but you played forty-one hockey NHL games. But I've found each of your up my hockey uh, Facebook Live videos to be very educating, and I think that's really what needs that needs the pump. Like people really need to understand that you know, just because a guy played less than a hundred games, or maybe look at Terry Ryan, he played eight NHL games. He has a podcast, right? You have a podcast. If you don't want to buy into the material or if you don't find the content worthwhile, then, hey, there's millions of other podcasts. Yeah, yeah. But really, that's what I'm getting at is just how the heart and stroke, how the um, Hockey for Homeless, I'm not bashing each of the, either of those charities, nor am I bashing Easter Seals, but they're just getting guys that like the Wendell Clarks, the Gilmores, like, like – you know, I I I see Dave McIlwain a lot, and you're right. If you lived in Toronto, you might be you might be part of Jackson's events, or you might be more you might be more 
more involved. Because in Ontario, Dave McElwain's doing charity. Gary Lehman, uh, Jamie McCown, he lives in Calgary. Dave Ellett is out in Arizona. But I, I could ramble on for days on how everyone just looks at these guys and says, okay, he's not a big, like, the Ray Borg, Brian Trotche. And, and I'm, and I'm, I don't mean to rant on much longer, but, um, that's just the way it is. It's unfortunate. Like, it's just, the, the people involved just want big name players. But I it's, think, it's, um, you <clears throat> mean, in defense of those people, you mean, and as a fan, you mean, I, I want to have a Wendell Clark on the ice too. And I, I mean, I don't think that they're going about it the wrong way. No, I think, they aren't, but. You know, I, I think I totally respect what you're saying. I, I, I really appreciate that there is some love for some players that maybe didn't spend as much time in the jersey, you know, and and, uh, and that we should probably, you know, even taking myself out of the equation, respect that in and of itself, you know. Um, for guys like Terry and myself, you know what I mean? I think that we're, if we want to be more involved in stuff like that, I think, I think in this world of social media um, and this world of, you know, being involved in what it is you're doing, like, you know, Terry's involved in a lot of things. He has his fingers in a lot of pies. His podcast <laughs> is definitely not like mine, yeah. you know, but it's, it's entertaining and Terry does his thing and people love Terry. You know what I mean, so he's, he's developing, um, a celebrity, you know, and a following for what he does now, which is probably going to get him invited to more alumni things, right? Because he's going to be known more as the author and as the comedian and the podcaster than he was the hockey player, but he did play hockey. Right. And so for me, um, yeah, my podcast, like my podcast, the idea of my podcast was actually like with the utmost humility involved, right? Like my lessons, of course, I had to do a lot of things right to play in the NHL. It's hard to do, right? It's hard to do. I'm not going to discount that or take anything away from myself, but I did a lot of things wrong too, right? And that's the reason of why I'm doing this, right? So I'm coming at it with massive humility. Like I was I was personally almost embarrassed for lack of a better word of my career. Cause I thought it was supposed to be so much more, you know, I played 10 years professional, but I thought in the NHL level, I was going to make an impact for a long time at the NHL level. I thought that for a, for a long time. So for me not to have accomplished that, something that I thought was within my realm, you know, within my, within my wheelhouse of my potential um, is humbling. Right. And so what I'm trying to do now is to provide the insight the experience and the perspective for these younger athletes to not do maybe what I did, right. Or mm -hmm. to find value in different things. So, so that's my platform now, right. It's not, Hey, listen to me. Cause I played 41 games. It's listen to me because I only played 41 games, you know, listen to me because I was the kid that was supposed to score 40 in the NHL. I was the guy that was on the world junior team. I was, I was, I was right. So there's things that happen, right? Your, your opportunity, you never know when they're going to come. You want to be ready for them when they do, right? You got to be wired a certain way to step into that uh, responsibility. And you got to be wired a certain way to make the most of your talent, right? You have to be wired right to keep on developing and to keep trying to improving. So those are my messages that I'm so passionate about now. And again, like I said, from a place of humility, from a place of I could have done more and I want you to be the best you can be. So that's what my platform's about. That's what up my hockey is about. That's what, what I do now um, at www.myhockey.com when I help teams and I help players. Um, nothing jacks me up more. Like to see athletes on the other side of the screen now during COVID, like 
come back the next week with like new intention, with new desire, with new motivation, with an understanding of how they can improve um, to make themselves better. Uh, that just lights my fire, right? Because that's, that's where it's at. So um, to get back to your alumni invites, like, you know, maybe if this up my hockey grows like as it is and, and it's doing some great things right now, then yeah, maybe I'll be like Terry and get a few more invites just because of the platform. Right. And not, and not as much about, you know, how many games I played or how many goals I scored. Do you think because of COVID, it's it's open doors for people to start a podcast because of home, they're sitting, they're not really doing much, not at the rink that much, like because before, alumni would be traveling, they'd be playing charity events, right? Do you, oh yeah. Do you think COVID has kind of shed some light on hey, like you're home, be productive, do something, like you're doing your podcast. If if yeah, there was I, no I, COVID, I, sorry, Jason, if there was no COVID. Do you think you'd be still doing this up my hog? Excuse me, up my hockey podcast if if there was no COVID. Yeah, well, I mean, I started it before COVID, right? So I started okay, did, in okay. um, yeah December okay. of 2019. So I had about four months under my belt. So it was actually kind of good in that aspect that I I had a little bit momentum. It was getting my feet wet prior to you know, a lot more people entering the space, which you already said, you know, like there's a lot more people wanting to do it. Of course, I mean, I, I encourage anyone, if that's something that they want to do and they're passionate about, you know, go ahead and start one. I mean, who, what's stopping you? Um, you know, again, I, I got brought in because of a business coach that I had suggested that I should do it. They thought I would be a good interviewer. You know, they thought I had a good podcast voice, uh, my experience, and that it would supplement with my network what I was doing, which is, you know, mindset, mentoring and coaching, right, for teams. So they're like, you can talk about the things you're passionate about with players who have been there. Um, it'll, you know, it'll be good uh, from from a marketing standpoint. It'll be good for credibility and, you know, what have you. So I was like, ah, OK, I'll do it. You know, I'll do it. And I'm so thankful because I absolutely love it. You know what I mean? Like I, I love the conversations. I, I leave everyone on a high. I'm jacked up. Um, and I like, you know, I, I, I genuinely enjoy the, <laughs> the license it gives me to reconnect with these guys from my past, right? Like, I mean, I'm connecting with so many players that I used to play with or for. And, um, and I love every, I love rekindling every one of those relationships. So it, it gives me an awesome opportunity to have conversations that I care about. And, um, you know, again, you have to understand why you're doing it, right? Like they're hard to make money at. I mean, don't try, don't get into a podcast because you want to make money. Get into a podcast because <laughs> no. you like the topic, right? I mean, yeah, get into a I'm, podcast because you're passionate about something, you know? I, sorry, I, I got a friend that, uh, not to mention names or what Brandy's part of, but he makes like $3 an episode, right? He, he loves talking about hockey. Never in a million years, I'd thought I'd be behind, like, I don't know if you remember the conversation, I've been friends with you now on Facebook for, after COVID, but I was messaging you, like, I watched your podcast, you've got this nice, fancy, sure, sure, uh, mic, and I was like, oh, man, look, I gotta go out and get this mic, and I gotta, I gotta sound like this, I listened to myself after, I'm like, oh, my God, I sound like garbage, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to guys, man, like, I'm, this, you know, not being at the rink stinks, but, like, this is something I get, look, when hot, we've started, we've restarted three times now, and now after Friday, I'm just like, oh, okay, it's it sucks to no more hockey. It's, life goes on, but now, you know, I work from home. You know, does, do do people like their jobs? No, nobody really loves their job. They do it just because they're able to do it. But now each week, I look forward. I got 
I got this guy on. I got, you know, I got this guy on. And, and, and never in a million years I th- figured, you know, I meet alumni every year, but now there's no alumni. You know, you want to reconnect. I want to, I want to talk to, you know, ho- I hope to have Cruiser on someday. I, like, I hope to have this guy on someday. Yeah. And it, it's, it's something to look forward to, right? I don't, we, I make nothing doing what I'm doing. But it's people like yourself, people like yourself that, you know, are doing it. And Terry's doing his podcast, right? You hop on iTunes, going to work. You, and that's the beauty of, like, when you get your, when you're on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcast fix. And you get past your 10th episode. Like, I don't know if you know Rod Peterson in Saskatchewan. He's got his Rod Peterson show and the Squadcast. Um, maybe I'll mention the Clark Monroe, who's the producer of the Rod Peterson show. Maybe you can get on the Rod Peterson show or the Squadcast. And, and uh, but you know, it, it just in the last couple months since since January, since hockey's been back, people now have stuff to talk about. Before there was, yeah, there was a little bubble, and they were playing the little playoff thing that that happened. Nobody was really talking about hockey. But now in January. January 13th when the league restarted everyone's starting a podcast and you can't get caught up in what other people are doing if if they've got 10 to 20 different sponsors great but if you're motivated and you want to do it and you know you got the the contact list why not start it same with you know guys making an excuse oh I don't want to go to practice COVID right if you start making excuses in life it's like you know, just sit around the house and mope all day. Like, you know, you're not playing hockey, but you get to go on a podcast. You get to reconnect with people, right? So I, I um, we, we like, you've mentioned this before on your show. Uh, I, I can't, I can't remember the individual, individual you were speaking to, but you said, oh, we got to do this again someday. Because you, you could have talked to that gentleman for four hours. Yeah. Most of your conversations are like an hour and a half, two hours. The same thing tonight. Once you start flowing into a conversation, it it could go on for it could go on for five or six hours. Is someone going to listen to a five-hour podcast? Probably not. But it just, you know, once you get going, and like Rod Peterson said, like once you get past that, t- or once you get past that tenth episode, then you're really just you. The wheels will start going, and once you get your list going, and who cares if nobody wants to listen to this guy? You know, I'm passionate about talking about hockey. I'm not. I'm away from the rink, so let's start talking about hockey. And it's great. It's great that they started the Zoom. You know, Zoom wasn't around before COVID. You know, it's it's that's a a great thing to have now. Zoom and um, something to connect people with. Because I felt I feel before COVID. Nobody was really connecting the way they are connecting now. Like they're just, the wheels are just starting to go now since January. Podcasts are starting to grow like weeds and it's good to see, man. But just just talk about your podcast. I know you just mentioned it there for a little bit, but just mention the name. How how can people find you on Facebook? Is it just, um, is it just Facebook Live? Like do they have to be a friend on Facebook? How can they um, connect with you on, on your show? Well, yeah, no, thanks for bringing it up. Uh, yeah, and, and congratulations on, on, you know, starting yours and, and, and just going out and doing something, right? Like, yeah, the, 
the more we think about the reasons again why we shouldn't do something that we end up not doing it just go do it right take a step forward and go give it a shot um for me up my hockey like i said already was a was more of a business decision uh was what it was it was a business suggestion and again not necessarily with the direct idea of compensation you know it was it was an indirect idea of being able to generate revenue because of the conversations and i do use like clips from the conversations with these people in in the courses that i develop right so um so it's been awesome for me uh, and hearing the stories of others has been massively educational for for my followers and for those who want to do something with hockey but uh yeah my hockey is is really like i i say it's uh we pull back the curtain on um on what it takes to play in the nhl right and uh and generally people usually connect the nhl with a physical facility uh that is just better than everybody else's and, and uh once you get to that certain level, like the AHL drafted junior level, like the, the, there, there's so many good players there that there's a lot of different things that separate players, you know, and, and the mental game and the mindset side of things um, is, is a big, big part of that. So, you know, I love talking about things like character. I love talking about things like preparation and self-awareness and, um, you know, self-esteem and how do you build belief and, and what's your process and, you know, all these different things that young athletes don't really think about, right? What type of a teammate are you? How are you building relationships within the organization? Uh, you know, wh what do you do when you're in a slump? You know, it, how do you close the gap on between something bad happening and turning it into something good and a positive? You know, there's so many little nuggets, right, that are there to be grabbed and that can really make a difference in a player's career. So, uh, that's what it's about for me. It's about, it's about the juicy stuff, the intangible stuff, uh, the stuff that people sometimes have a hard time putting a finger on, uh, that I believe makes a massive difference. And well, I know it makes a massive difference And that when you talk about the arc of a player develop, uh, a player development and even of organizational development, that's what these teams are getting into. Like they're getting into what I'm doing. So I do really feel like I'm on the cutting edge of this. I feel like I'm pretty progressive. Uh, there's going to be somebody that does what I do in every organization in 10 years, for sure. Um, players are going to have uh, individual private coaches, you know, at the NHL level, they're going to do what I do. Um, and, and it's really rewarding because I see, I see the differences it makes every day, you know? So yeah, you can see, but up my hockey story, I guess I rambled there a little bit. Up my hockey nope. isn't the Facebook Live. I do Facebook Live some episodes just because why not? You, okay. you know, like I, I host, uh, I host it on my personal platform. I have a, a parent group called Up My Hockey okay. uh, Parent Group, which is a private group that you need to request access to. Uh, that's a really sweet group that grows every day without me doing nothing. And if you have an athlete uh, that wants to be a hockey player and has aspirations of being a hockey player, uh, and you're kind of on that road yourself as a hockey parent, you know, trying to navigate the space, not really sure what to do. There's a lot of decisions that are made. Uh, the Up My Hockey Parent Group is an awesome place to to wow. uh, to start. You know, we I have a membership program there. There's a lot of free content that's really amazing. There's a lot of uh, stuff that you can get involved in at a, at a at a really low price point that it's going to help your kid with workshops and master classes and stuff for parents, consultants, corner and all this great stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, notmyhockey.com is where you find out about what I do. Uh, I love working with teams. So if there's any teams out there that want me to come in and do a character work workshop, which I call hockey's greatest secret or a mindset workshop, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm here to help. 
And, uh, and if you want to hear the podcast, it's really anywhere, right? I mean, it's on, uh, you know, anywhere you'd want to get your podcast, it's, it's anywhere. And if you're in the parent group, you can watch live and you can even ask questions, which I'll get on the air sometimes, which you've seen, Jamie, right? I'll sometimes post questions on there. So you can, you can ask my guests the question you want and join the conversation if you want to. So that's kind of makes it a little bit special what I do sometimes too. Do you have to be from the BC area to get to get access to your content like how are you able to share it with people in ontario oh Nova yeah Scotia? how can oh, people yeah, across sure. canada uh, i do i do workshops every anywhere right anywhere okay. anywhere that a team wants me uh, obviously with uh with zoom like what we're on right now i mean you're you're in the middle of nova scotia right and i'm mm-hmm. in british columbia and it's working fine so um that's the exact same thing so i can go anywhere COVID has been great for that with what i do because it really uh, the the geographic uh, element has been removed. People always thought that you had to be local. Now I, I can be in Vernon, but I can be anywhere. So uh, I definitely love working with teams. Teams is actually really, really rewarding because the team environment, what I do, not only does it help the individuals on the team, but it really brings the team together because we learn from each other's challenges and each other's uh, successes. And we, can, and we can share that in a group. We go into breakout rooms. Um, we talk about strategy and how we can move forward. Um, it really creates a culture of high performance, which means trying to improve, right? So to improve, you have to be able to be courageous enough to admit that you can't do something very well. And you have to be able to acknowledge that and also tell somebody that this is what you're trying to improve, right? Yeah. Those are like 100%. crazy things. And when you do that in a team environment and everyone's doing the same thing, wow, like that starts to begin, become real special. So um, coaches love bringing me in and, and seeing the differences in their teams. Um, I love doing that. Um, my content, like I told you, I got, a, I got a, a course called Building Championship Character that I'm really, really proud of. Um, it's probably two and a half hours of video content that, uh, you know, you can buy from up my hockey. Uh, you can access that whenever you want, however you want a um, bunch of engaging questions. I really encourage, um, parents to go through that course with their players. So if you're in like that, first of all, that course is good for anyone, but if you're like 10 to let's say 15, 16, like for a parent and the athlete to go through that course together, um, is awesome. You're going to have discussions that you wish you had five years ago, you know, and you're going to talk about things that you wish you would have talked about, um, bring you closer to your athlete, understand your athlete better and your kid better. And, and again, this stuff that I talk about, not only does it make them better hockey player, but it makes them better at everything. It makes them a better human, right? It makes them better at life. So it's like a sneaky way um, to, to start talking about some concepts that otherwise might sound a little boring and a little, uh, you know, whatever. Oh, dad. Oh, mom. You know, oh, coach. I, can, I talk about character as a skill because it is a skill. It's a hockey skill. And it's something that they can improve. And the perspective shift on that can make a big difference for a lot of players. So uh, that's one of the courses that I'm really proud of. I have a Mindset Master Series that's available too to anyone, anywhere, right? They can they can buy that and it's available online. And again, I do workshops live for people all the time too. So um, yeah, lots of ways to get to get me in a, in a dressing room. And that's up myhockey.com. So yeah, thanks for asking me about it. No, it's an amazing story. And like I just mentioned, some people say, oh, that guy played 41 games in the NHL and that's why I like having guys on because it, it, it provides a story that nobody would have known he played 41 games 10 games with the Leafs and then he played four games with the Leafs that's what people look at and I'm like well I'm gonna have the guy on and that I've been telling James like you know uh, this is what I want to do I want to get people's stories out there I want to and it's great to hear that you know people in Nova Scotia I don't know how many in it 
former NHLers are in Nova Scotia providing what you just talked about. Right? I, I haven't I haven't seen it. So I'm I'm now on board. I'm going to be like pumping this stuff out like to to get more viewers outside of the British Columbia area. Yeah. And it's good, and it's good to see you you expand your, your horizons and you're able to you know get viewers from Ontario or, or wherever to, you know. But yeah. my man Jamie, my, my message, my message is not regional. Like th this helps, no. this helps any player anywhere. Right. And, and some, some associations and some jurisdictions are, are in different forms of the evolution of hockey development too. Right. So like what you said, like my message might be really, really far away from being present, you know, where you guys are at. I mean, and that's the beauty of what today's game is like, because you know, you can find someone like me doing whatever it is that I do and bring me in and I can be a part of that movement. I can be a part of changing some of that culture and that yep. association. So, um, yeah, you know I mean? Uh, yeah, it, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, I'd, I'd mm -hmm. love to have people get, get involved in the course, become a member of up my hockey, you know, listen to the podcast, you listen to the podcast. I think, I mean, you've been a, you've been a fan. I mean, you understand what I am. I think you understand what I'm about, what's important to me. And, uh, and that matters right? Because when my message comes out and for the athletes too, right? They have to, there has to be an authenticity there. They have to believe in what I'm saying and why I'm saying it. And, uh, and I know I'm in it for the right reasons. I'm in it to help kids, um, helping the kids be better and, you know, and help them help them to fall in love with this great game, right? Because that's really what it's all about. Giving back to the game, growing it, um, making it stay a strong part of our, of our culture and of the fabric of being Canadian and, you know, North American for that matter. Uh, one thing I was told, um, you know, if, if I get to a thousand episodes, great. But just be authentic. The per that's all the person said. Hey, keep grinding. If you get ten viewers, who cares? Keep grinding. Keep continuing to talk to people that motivate you, that are educational. I I I've listened to so many podcasts where it's like, okay, th that's great. You, you you went out with these guys after twelve o'clock. And you did this, and the, the, oh, that party sounded great, but the, it, it, they were never educational. And this is the most educated I've got from a, a guy that's only. And I'm not, I'm not trying to repeat myself. Yes, you played so many games in NHL, right. but you're, this has been the most educational conversation that I've encountered. And this is the whole part of the whole. This is what I want to do. I want to get the story out. But not to ramble on again, but just the one word I was told, just, hey, put this in your memory bank or stick it to your chest. You know, be authentic. Just be yourself. And, you know, it's who knows what would have happened if there was no COVID. Would a podcast be going on right now? I don't know. But James has been doing this for a little while. James is the main cheese behind uh, offside hockey and man like it's just been a blessing so not to toot my own horn but man like i'm i'm on board now so i'm uh you have now uh you can kind of say you have an ambassador in nova scotia to, to to pump the material out man and now you've got a face now you've got a face with the name when you see a comment come up on i've always i've always been one i always wonder like at the beginning of these inter do you find the interactive part is um, something that people may sh or should add to their podcast. Like, I was, I'm gonna, I was gonna ask the question. Like, you have that interactive 
uh, part of your podcast. Is that like a, a special sauce that maybe some other podcast should add to their to their show just to make it more interesting? Yeah, I mean, I, for me, for me, it was just an idea, and it wasn't like it was more again like how can I how can I get people more connected to the message yeah. or even to the people involved, right? So I was like, you know what, if I was a hockey parent or if I was a hockey player and if I had somebody in there be, you know, be a Cristobal Huey who, you know, almost, almost, uh, well, led the league in safe percentage the one year yep. or whether it's a thousand gamer like Brian McCabe or Brad May and I want to ask them a question about something like, where do you get that opportunity? Well, you never do, right? When do you ever meet Brian McCabe? How are you ever going to ask Brian McCabe a yeah. question or the director of player development for the Vancouver Canucks or the head scout for the Edmonton Oilers or Kenny Holland for that matter? Gee, I mean, when are you going to have a chance to ask Kenny Holland a question about hockey? Never, yeah. right? 100%, so yeah. I was like, you know what? Like if I'll just open this up, uh, usually I keep it to the, the parent group, right? Usually I don't go on just my friend channel, right? Yeah. And then say like whatever, um, so I want to keep that membership special, but sometimes I go outside that, you know, and I was like, you know what, if you're part of this membership community, then you have access to these people. You have the same access I have, you know, and if you want to ask a question, if you want to interact live, right. While this is going on, I thought that was pretty cool. You know what I mean? So, um, I don't know how cool it is. Like some days I don't have anyone ask questions. Some days I have evil people ask a lot of questions, right? So, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of hit or miss. I'm not going to say it's like the most amazing thing that everyone should do it. Um, but I still think again, being authentic and I remember what I'm like, and I know who I am and I know what I would like to do. I would love the opportunity to be able to ask some questions, you know, to people that I wouldn't otherwise have access to. So that was sort of the idea behind it. And I'm going to stick with it. No, awesome job. man. Do you have, uh, other, other than Facebook, like, can people connect with you on Twitter? I know, People are getting into Instagram and TikTok. Um, yeah. I haven't seen you on any of those platforms, but do you have Twitter? Like, I'm on Twitter a lot. Um, I don't know if I have you on Twitter. Do you I have am Twitter? on Twitter, but, like, I'm a, I'm a newbie. Like, I just oh, started, really? like, just a little while <laughs> okay. ago. I got, like, 100 followers. You know what I mean? But I'm at Jason Padolan on Twitter. Okay. Uh, I'm there mostly. I'm not really on Twitter. Like, I, okay. I'm on there. I mean, self-admittedly, I'll post a podcast clip, and then I'm off kind of deal. You know, like, I don't okay. do much on there. I don't really quite get it yet. Um, I'm more active on Instagram, so I'll do quite a bit with my stories. Actually, okay. if um, it's at Jason Padolan on Instagram, okay. where I, I, I do post a lot about the podcast, but I also do a lot of my personal stuff. So like my own practices, my own skill development work, a lot of drills I'll put up there. Um, there'll be some messages, like some up my hockey messages about mindset and you know things that I encounter. So um, I think that I'm, I'm probably more engaged and I'm more familiar with that platform. So people who are on Instagram, I think... Um, uh, I think they'll probably enjoy it. If you're a hockey fan or a hockey parent or a hockey coach, uh, I think that the content there you'll probably find pretty, uh, you know, pretty motivating. And you've you've played junior hockey, so it's going to be helpful now. Like you'll you'll have skills, you'll have uh, plans set up, and maybe I'll pass along to the the junior coaches here. So, that, my man, I got I got nothing else to say. I don't want to take much of your time. Uh, it's it's. It's still early where you're where you're at. I haven't eaten I haven't uh, eaten supper yet because when we started it was six p.m. Now it's uh, eight minutes to eight here on the <laughs> east east coast. But man, uh, you mentioned Predator Ridge earlier. I I am um, I actually lived not to keep you much longer, but I actually lived in New Westminster. At a, we had a seven month project. I um, was on the uh, building team for the the 
Canada Post building at the airport in Richmond. Um, so I got to live, I was up there, I lived in New West, and every day, I, ne I never was able to save a dollar, because I spent every bit of my money at the spaghetti factory in West, New Westminster. I don't know if you've ever been to New West, but, um, and, and I, I golfed every day, right up until November at Fraser Valley, and, uh, had a friend in Burnaby, golfed up through there, went through, it's BC, I'm gonna get back, like I just mentioned earlier, I have friends in Langley. So I'm going to get back up very soon. But BC, my, it's it's an amazing place. I'm, I'm going to get back up soon. And uh, you mentioned Predator Ridge, so maybe maybe you got some connections. We'll uh, we'll get yeah, golf. Yeah. We'll get golfing soon, man. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. For, by all means, yeah. If you want to come out, we uh, yeah yeah we love the region. Obviously, Okanagan. There's there's only one Okanagan. I mean, they can't make any more of it. It really is a jewel in all of Canada. It's a pretty special place. You know, BC is a great province and. That's taken nothing away. I mean, I, I love I love the East Coast. And that's something from from people that I talk about here, you know, in BC. That you I mean we always travel, like where do people from BC go? They go down to Disneyland or they go to Disney World or they go to Mexico or they go to Hawaii, right? It's like gotta go to Newfoundland. I know it doesn't sound like it's where you should go, but like you gotta go. Like you gotta go East Coast Canada. Um I love Nova Scotia. I love my time there. I love my time in Prince Edward Island when the Florida Panthers went and had their camp there. I love my time um, on the rock. Like I, I, I really fell in love with the people out there. I think you guys know how to do it right. You know, we treat people properly and uh, you know, what have a good time. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love the area. I love the landscape. I actually had a girlfriend that was from uh, Nova Scotia back in the day. So I spent some time there one summer, oh, wow. like, you know, about a week, a week or two. So um was uh up in the new glasgow area there so I mean, yeah, I've been, uh, colin I've been white's up. from new glasgow he won a stanley cup uh john yeah. sims john sim um i imagine you yeah, had a good awesome, awesome. so yeah i mean, so, I mean big, big thank yeah. you for having me on and a big hello to everyone out there i mean if your listeners are mostly uh east coast based i mean i i uh i, I have enough an affection for for that area and, and the people there so it's awesome that i was able to spend some time with you guys today. and i imagine doug mcclain being from pei showed you showed you a good time He's he's from PEI, so and he you well, were, you know, he was his coach. Really? So. Yeah, so you didn't you didn't know that Doug McLean. Well, but isn't hold on? But isn't Roger Nielsen from PEI? Uh he was he. I know I know uh, I know Roger. I met him when he coached Ottawa Senators. But Doug McLean, yeah, go on, uh, go on the hockey. I, the window's not open right now. I'm afraid if I get another window open, it might you know screw what, up though, the Jamie, Zoom I, I think I just must have, well, unless they're both from PEI, which would be crazy. Because in my head, I, we went to PEI one year, and in my head, I always thought that it was with Roger Nielsen, and that's why they went to camp there. But maybe it was because of uh, Doug McLean. It was actually Doug McLean's era, and that's why we went to PEI. And I just got it confused. So anyways, I definitely had a training camp in PEI. We stayed at Mill River Golf Place. It was so awesome. I was uh, after every session, we were out playing golf. We had free run of the free run of the golf course. Grab a grab a golf cart and go run. I was in heaven. I was playing golf and and playing hockey in the NHL. It was it was awesome. I love the people out there. So that was that was a little, yeah. lot of fun. But if you ever figure that out, let me know if it's Roger Nielsen or uh, or Doug. McClain. No, Doug Doug McLean is actually from PEI. He's away from Sportsnet now and actually lives in PEI. But um, you've got to you got to come back to Halifax, man. We got a beautiful beer garden on the waterfront and. Uh, I love to have a I love to have a charity event someday. Um, I'll figure out a charity, but uh, Cabot Links, Cabot Cliffs, we've we've got amazing golf courses. So people yeah, listening, absolutely. people listening in Ontario and Vancouver, um, 
obviously more than welcome to come to the mainland and we've got some beautiful courses and PEI just got some spectacular uh I'll spectacular be there, yeah so we look forward to it but right now we've just got to kind of we got to oh sorry we we've got to just kind of do our thing and hopefully covid goes away sometime soon man cuz I, I we're all getting more shack wacky here in and uh in Nova Scotia but covid fatigue is real Sure. Well, your weather's a little bit better than ours too, right? You you probably start golfing next week. We're, we're we've got probably three or four months of snow left, and it we're in minus twelve today. <laughs> All right, well, sir. We'll we'll, we'll talk soon, and uh, look forward to uh, checking out up my hockey. I'll uh, get the info from you there, and I'll share it and uh, try to get yeah, some get, try to get some mainlanders on on board to help the help yeah. you out. So. Yeah, and if anyone's still listening, that's one thing I will say. A lot of times coaches and hockey players think that they need think that they should wait till they're playing hockey to work with somebody like me. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Like the spring summertime is the absolute best time to start working with someone like me because what I work on is getting you ready for when you're on the ice. So when something does go bad or something doesn't quite go right, you're able to handle that better. Um, it's not good working on that mid-season, right? You want to be working on it when you're on the golf course. You want to be working on it when you're trying to figure out a relationship or you want to be working on it right when when you're having a bad day and, and you're not worried about putting the skates on or, or going to the gym so um yeah so i just wanted to make sure that i add that because that's a lot of times a misconception is that i want to wait until i'm playing and no you shouldn't actually i mean even, even a team if you have a spring team or you have a team that's getting ready for camp um i mean that's a great time to to bring someone like there's, me yeah, I'd love to help out there's dry land training all the time too and right now where there's no games and there's ice available you, you hit the nail on the head and i'm glad we had this conversation and people listen into this you know there's no games on the go you can only have 25 players so you're not involved in the game right now because of covid but you know take the ice time don't take the ice time for granted practice yeah. right yeah. it's just so much ice time right now because there's no games going on so take the advantage of going to the ice facility and and practicing and Look at look in the summertime. Like we've got two of the biggest names in the NHL that practice. You, you know, you've you've watched Crosby and McKinnon practice. Watching them, like, go on YouTube, go on whichever platform you watch videos. Here's an example. Go watch McKinnon, and well, they don't really let people into the rink, but it's it's been shown on video. Crosby and McKinnon practice here all the time. I've gotten to watch them, and it. It it just goes to show when you put the time in like McKinnon and Crosby is doing. Look at Drake Batherson, you know he's on a tear right now. He's playing his best hockey. He because he trains in the summer. He trains with Nathan McKinnon. Trains with Sidney Crosby, yeah. right? Even AHL guys that you know uh, from the Maritimes train with Sidney and McKinnon. They're the two biggest biggest players in the league besides McDavid, besides Drysaitel. But they're putting the time in at during the summer. And they're, they're, they are good players because they're putting the time in during the summertime. They're not out playing baseball. Like I know back in the day, Don Cherry played, guys would play baseball. But no, now they're at the rinks practicing and, and becoming better. Does Crosby need to be, you wouldn't think Crosby needs to be better. But he's, he's trying to better himself each and every day. He's trying to learn stuff. Yeah. And I've I've talked to McKinnon. He's like, yeah, I'm trying to become a better person each and every day. I know I'm good. I know I'm I'm at 90 points, but I want to get to 100. I want to get to I want to improve myself. He's doing it right. 
So those are two big examples here in the Maritimes. They're doing great it. Examples. Yeah, doing it right. Anyways, man, I I I don't want to keep you much longer, but uh, look forward to your next uh, your next episode of Up My Hockey. I I won't try to get the guest out of you because I know you probably want to keep it a secret, but look forward to it, man. Sweet man, yeah, no, I think it's going to be Andy Sutton is going to have on, and then I think oh wow, after big that. big D he played the uh, played played with the Islanders, so he he's going to help. He, he's a he was a sturdy D in, in his day, so he'd be yeah, he'd be good. I'm long time oh. D man, and uh, well, look, yeah. I I got to talk. I got to sit down today with Jason Podolin. Played 41 games in the NHL. There's an episode 11 of the offside or the offside with Jamie Anstey, man. Thanks for joining me, Jason. Thanks, man. Have a great one. Oh, Pleasure uh, to be here.